Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Beyond Yacht Rock, episode 69. There was a lot of pressure put on me to create a list of sexualized songs, as if we needed to point out that the episode number is 69 like a bunch of 14-year-old frat boys or Chris Angel fans. I'm not going to do it. In fact, I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. Wait a, wait a minute, Dave. Episode six, Number one, episode 69 is a sacred trust. <laughs> You're the broiest dude on the podcast. I don't know about that. But no, in a past life, you would have been like the regional sales bro who cracks all the dirty and intentionally offensive shock value jokes to loosen up all the the old dude meetings. Let's let's he your does track that now. record. Yes. <laughs> yeah, past life. It's still his social function. I'm just saying it would have been his career. Uh, <laughs> would have been in, uh, the president of the local Toastmasters chapter. Oh, Ooh, definitely. Yeah. And like, like if you if we look back at your tracker, like you, you episode sixty nine fell to you. Mm-hmm. For a you're reason. the guy. Yeah, you're the guy. Who, your first episode was these guys probably fucked. Very important you, episode. You did episodes about statutory rape, mm-hmm. AIDS, and Guy Fieri. Well, AIDS was more. In a different sense, it's interesting your head went there. <laughs> I know. Come on. Steve. I mean, you, you scroll down the titles like AIDS. Oh, that's that must be a Dave episode, and it is. Yeah. And your last episode was ten songs that double as butt sex jokes. That was a request. So if you're, that is true. But it was requested that you would be the one to do it. This is a request. So if you're gonna cop out on episode sixty nine, that's like winning an election and immediately breaking every campaign promise you've ever made. You know, no one voted for me. And I promise nothing. It's a metaphor, Dave. Well, hold up. maybe Dave's got a record scratch queued up because this song, this song, is Vivaldi's Four Seasons. It always <laughs> spring. Gets, yeah. It always gets interrupted by a record scratch. You know, <laughs> scratch. I feel good. Yeah, Spence McKenzie's about to come in here. It's Beyond Yacht Rock '69. Songs about two bros kicking each other in the mouth and balls. You mean like trading licks? Yeah. No, oh, that sir. That been a good one. Yep. Welcome. Uh, to be fair, that was JD's joke. He said oh. that to me in private. Uh, welcome, everyone, as I do not fall victim to peer pressure. As we listen to music today that will help us learn how to be a gentleman. Welcome to Beyond Yacht Rock, episode 69, Gentleman Lessons. Yeah, we what? Keep it classy here. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast after dark. Yeah. Talking low. We're going to be a bunch of giggling fools today because this is episode 69. Nice. We all lost our virginity in our mid 20s. So. <laughs> uh, so we're the podcast that. Uh, we're Not Dave. Not Dave. He was eight. Um. We're the podcast that creates new musical genres and counts them down. Uh, my name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm David Lyons. I'm Hunter. And every episode, we created the term Yacht Rock, so every episode we throw a bone to the genre. This episode is the same as every other episode. We're throwing that bone, Hunter. What is this What is this song? All right, well, so I mentioned Bruce Roberts a couple times in a Yacht or Yacht show, not mm-hmm. know which one or ones I did, uh, but it was recent. I stumbled upon this dude in the dollar bins and uh, sent one of his records to our uh, to one of our patrons, 
Uh, not this one. This is the song Cool Fool off of his 1980 album Cool Fool. Uh, you hear that name, everybody? Mm-hmm. Should I say it one more time? Do it. Cool Fool. Oh, shit, that rhymes. Yes, uh, and it's about fools. Um, so... The album that I sent uh, was his 1977 debut, and I knew that this guy had something to do with Yacht Rock when I sent it. You can look it up. His name is Bruce Roberts. Is I think it's self-titled. Uh, it was basically written by him and Carol Bayer Sager with an assist to uh, Bette Midler. Decent bonanza and person. Assi- an assist from? She co-wrote it? She, uh, he, she co-wrote almost every... Th- oh, wait. Bette... Carol, Carol Bayer Sager co-wrote. And... He, and Bruce Roberts co-wrote everything, and on one song, Bette Midler had a writing credit. Okay, got it. Uh, Probably stepped in and did some scat. <laughs> so uh, th- there was de- decent Bonanza personnel on there, uh, but mostly slow songs. <clears throat> Not It was kind of Broadway theatrical. Uh, nevertheless, he really shines on this particular album, which is Cool Fool. I don't think it's a stretch to claim this for Yacht Rock. It starts. No, yeah, I mean it starts with a sax, you know. And yeah. I've yelled at a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Sax is not a yacht instrument, you know. All those people are rolling their eyes right now. But to be fair, that that well, okay, this is a sax solo. Mm-hmm. But listen how tight and how specific this is. Mm-hmm. It's a little trilly or fluttery. It is. Fluttery. It's a soprano. Yeah, yeah it's right a there. it's a Kenny G sax, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. We're done. Yeah. I like I like the vibe of this song. It's like he got an assignment to write jazz fusion, but he couldn't help but turn it into a yacht rock pop song. So, soprano sax. That's the one you hold like a dong instead of like a lady. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a okay. straight one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well. So yeah, so obviously there's the horn in the front, but this this is the first song on the album. And so he's just if he's setting the mood for the rest of the album, it's not necessarily part of this song, I'd say. Yeah. Um the album cover is awesome. It's Oh like, my god, yeah. It's like a cartoon, it's like an MTV cartoon promo for things your uncle likes like yeah, wallpaper and w- sconces it's almost it's almost like uh, Bruce McCullough in a kids in the hall sketch well, he looks not, like not, he looks like David Cronenberg not, or, and not Bruce McCullough but the other one Mark uh, McKinney Mark McKinney yeah. yeah yeah I see I can see both because of the chin he does not look like a, like a rock star he he, he looks like look a Canadian. Like, he looks like a fool. Yeah. He doesn't look hence, like a cool fool. the kids in the hall. Just a straight up fool. And David Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, he, but he's actually from uh, Southern California. Um, so Bruce plays keyboards on Cool Fool, as he usually does on his stuff. Uh, joining him are Neil Steubenhaus, Paulina DaCosta, and two horn dogs, and Gary Herbig and Jerry Hey. Hey. A uh, bunch of other Nanzas are on this album, but I'll uh, save save that. Oh, but wait, one more name is on this particular song and the album. On background vocals is the one and only Luther Vandross. Take that, Steve. Yeah, take that, you piece of shit. What? Do I not like Luther Vandross? You uh, you got blackout drunk yesterday and you told us that his voice made your tongue feel thick. Yeah, take that, Steve. Yeah, and then you got real racist. Yeah. I guess I must have... Uh, dude dude hates, hates Canadians. This is why I like this song for Yacht Rock. It's because it's a nerdy white guy trying to do soul in 1980. It's a it's a Yacht Rock dream. Um, like what? Well, a, he's got a, it's disco-y. It's really he's he's kind of doing a disco thing. Yeah, but it's in that yacht pocket, man. Yeah, it's got that bounce. Yeah, what a fool! Absolutely. What a fool believes would nominate this song to be Secretary of the Yacht Rock Treasury. Hmm. That's the kind of song it is. You know, it's like in the cabinet with you. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that are. 
aren't that awesome about it that we might kick it off the boat, but listen mm-hmm. to it. It's mm-hmm. like it's a u- very unique song. Anyways, uh, I want to talk about Bruce real fast. Bruce Roberts, he's, he seems like a sweet dude with a good look. Yeah. We talked about that. Uh, fun fact, he sang most of Danny Bonaducci's songs on uh, Danny's 1973 album. What? Bonaducci Millie Vanilli? Yep, he did. Uh, <laughs> this, this year has just been insane. <laughs> First Trump, now this. Uh, he's written and played for a crap ton of artists. And, uh, highlights include Midler, who I mentioned before. Bette Midler, that is. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Do you, does anybody me- remember her and Krusty the Clown's uh, horse that they owned together? No. Crudler. <laughs> uh, anyways, Bruce Roberts also uh, did songs with uh, Barbara Streisand and Donna Summer. Um, uh, but I'll give a special shout out to his work with firekeeper Jeffrey Osborne with the song You Should Be Mine, otherwise known as the Guns N' Roses song? <laughs> otherwise known as the Woo Woo song. Can you woo woo woo? Yeah. You know, anybody remember that song? Yeah. Bruce Roberts wrote that. He probably meant to call it the Cool Fool song, you know. With a cool, cool fool and a cool, fool fool, I want you to fortify my love. Um, hey, let's Yatsky it real quick. Just real quick, Yatsky. Um, 62. 58. 63. I'm going... One dollar. 76. 76? Yeah, right. I think this is in the 70s. You guys went... I thought we were low. I think this is a very unique and interesting Yacht Rock song. Uh, some, some, there's that sax instead yeah. of a guitar solo. Some cool fool, back up, write those numbers down, average it out for us, put it in the document. Well, I... Hold on. I... Uh, there's nothing wrong with the sex. I, I've never been the. It, it's the no. problem is, is that people. That's not a sultry sax by any means. Yeah, the problem is that people think that if there is a sax in the song and it's from the '80s, that means it's a yacht rock song. Mm, that no. is not it. There's nothing wrong with sex. People think that is that that a sax makes a yacht rock song. It does. It does not. It does. It, it no instrument makes a yacht rock song except <clears throat> guitar and e piano. Electric piano really helps. Yeah. That that helps the most. Uh-huh. And you put a guitar solo over that electric, electric piano, you got you got some magic there. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So so we want to talk about uh, how to be a gentleman. Some gentleman lessons. You have some for us, Dave? Yeah. If you guys can uh, fucking class it up a little bit, you pieces of fucking. Yeah. Let's do it. Ah, it's so nice. In a time when a murderer can get paroled and a president can get elected, even after bragging about assaulting women. Now more than ever, the gentleman is missed. Listeners, are you alone? Do those texty bites no longer come in? Another sad and lonely night? You know what your problem is? You're not a gentleman. Oh, so it's not the sandals I've been wearing after surgery, that's like a, you keep saying. That's a big part of it. Dave, we'll, we'll get to that later. Dave. And that's coming up. Dave. It is not a difficult thing to attain this, the, the level of gentleman. Take this song, for instance. This is the four lovers with uh, I want a girl just like the girl that married dear old dad. The young man wants to marry a girl just like his own mother. That's something a gentleman does. He respects his mother. See how this is working today? We're going to be talking about gentlemanly traits while we listen to songs that illustrate, metaphorically or literally, the qualities of being a gentleman. Um, so, Dave, you're telling me that if I listen to these songs and I take their advice, if I were to act like the gentleman in this song, then I myself can become a gentleman? Well, there is a reason why these guys are four lovers. Yeah. 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 And every one of them are gentlemen. Um, 
and so, they want to love their mother. So Ooh. can you explain? What? Can you can you explain what kind of song might not be a gentleman lesson, but, oh. but may mistake as one? For example, everyone thinks Brandy is yacht rock, but it's not. Basically, is there any room for misinterpretation in this genre, or will we be hearing some pretty straightforward songs to teach us how to be gentlemen? Okay, well, your first question, my go-to would be uh, the classic song by Schlong, It Sucks to Get Fucked by Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is not a song by or for gentlemen, nor would it be mistaken for one. But you take a a nice song like Christine 16 Mm -hmm. by Kiss. Mm -hmm. Sounds like just a a fella picking up a girl at school, Uh you know, maybe for his his family or Mm -hmm. like the day I picked your son up at school one day just to help out. That's not what it's about. It's about banging a 16-year-old when you're you're in Kiss. So that would be... not a gentleman that lesson. is not a gentleman what, what lesson about, like this song here um hold on the beatles yeah i want to hold your hand absolutely this was actually on my list for a little while it was the one i was circling this is um so this is like a guy he's giving his sexual intent to a girl he's i want to hold your hand that's as far as i want to go yeah the extent of his will, intent is hand holding will you will you accept this it's like step 1 so he's super into just step one. So we're going to hear a lot of songs like this sake. today, right? This is more of a literal definition. Uh-huh. Some of these are more metaphorical. Okay. okay. But uh, you've got the base. You, I'll, I'll explain them as we go through them. Okay. So you've put on your your analytical brain cap here, and you've really done some deep thinking about it. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into this list. Okay. and I Take I, off the fact cap. <laughs> to, yeah. And put on the thought cap. Um, do you want to tee up these bumpers, or should we just let them ride? Um, I think people uh, will get the basic idea. <laughs> Baseman, activate. Number 10. <laughs> yeah. A gentleman knows how to communicate. In this case, it's a gentleman meeting a woman. This is Billy Ocean with Get Into My Car. There's a little, Get out of my dreams, get into my car. Yeah, there, well, that's parenthetical. Listen to no, that. No, it's not, actually. It's not? It's not. Get Into My Car, I think, is the uh, parenthetical. Nope, 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 there is none. There's get, a comma. It's get out, of, get out of my dreams, comma, get into my car. Well, anyway. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you clarified that because nobody would have known what I was talking about. <laughs> Thank you. Very gentlemanly thing to do. <laughs> Gentleman knows how to communicate. Dude. Yeah, and that's why I'm thanking you because I am thankful. And some other things we'll get into. And I'm grateful that you're thankful. Nothing like these Steve and Dave banters, huh? <laughs> They're really unlivened yeah, really. whole podcast. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's electric. It takes the pressure off of us. Yeah. That's true. Ah, okay, so Ocean has just seen someone on the side of the road, and coincidentally, it's the same person he's been dreaming about. He politely demands that she gets into his car, specifically the back seat, and invites her to touch his bumper. A very large part of communication is listening, and right off the bat, you hear the conversation, the call and response, that leads to a very charming meeting between Mr. Ocean and we, we are led to believe is a lady. A gentleman knows how to communicate. This is crucial. I feel like this is a song about aggressive chivalry. Yeah, he could, he could yeah. dial it back a bit. Yeah. I'm going to open the door for you. Yeah. I'm going to put my fucking coat on this puddle. Yeah, maybe he's, yeah. Uh, maybe he's dating a deaf girl. <laughs> hey! Hey! You! Hey, did you guys know that 70% of the earth is covered by oceans? 70%. That's a lot of ocean. Shit, yeah, it is. That's a fun fact. Man. Uh, speaking of which, Billy was born across the ocean in Trinidad, but moved even farther across the ocean to England when he was 10. 
Ah, uh, England. You know, ing means gentleman in English. Oh, so it means gentleman land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. They wear uh, bowlers. and yeah. He did some singing in clubs and worked as a tailor. Personal appearance is also important to being a gentleman, and Billy learned that at a young age. He was born Leslie Sebastian Charles. That's the most gentlemanly name. Why do you change it? He he must have gone through I'm not a gentleman phase. Maybe, you know, maybe in his teens or something. Uh, Changed his name uh, to name himself after his London estate. Prior to that, he went by Les Charles. And you can hear his work with earlier bands Shades of Midnight and Scorched Earth. Wait, Billy Ocean had an estate? He lived lived in a place called... uh, Ocean Estates in London. Oh, okay. He did There wasn't like a mansion named Billy Ocean. No, I, <laughs> there is now. Yeah. <laughs> My house. Hey, hey, did you guys know the Atlantic Ocean is named after Atlas, the Greek Titan cursed to hold the Earth? That's quite an ocean. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a I, fun fact. I, I got a fun fact there. I did a little extra research on uh, on this song. It's apparently based on a true incident. Uh, in which Billy Ocean was driving around the city with his good friend, Johnny Scrub, who leaned out the passenger window to holler at some passing ladies. The ladies all gave Billy Ocean their phone numbers because he's a good communicator, but they soundly rejected Johnny Scrub, whose communication skills were not up to Billy's level. And those ladies went on to form the Dixie Chicks. True story. Oh, so hmm. completely the, true story. At the beginning of the song, was like, "Who's that lady walking down the street?" The answer is Natalie Maines. Yes. Yeah. Precisely. Oh, some great concise research. Here's some fun shit. When Billy went to a doctor for a routine checkup, they found an extra pulmonary node central to his otherwise normal lungs. Do you know what that means? It means an extra fucking lung. Of course, he's going to be a singer with that going on, or maybe. A, guy that blows up balloons or something, but <laughs> according to the first couple paragraphs of Wikipedia, uh, oh. his page, not in general, this extra lung is credited <laughs> with the longevity of Billy's career. Go to wikipedia.org. It starts at the beginning. <laughs> Billy Ocean has an extra lung. Well, uh, an additional... This is one of the many fun facts you'll find yeah, on Wikipedia. Additional pulmonary node, but you get it. Um... So wait, so he has all this extra. So mm-hmm. when he says I'm your nonstop lover, your your nonstop miracle, I'm your man, you, he might be full of hot air. It depends if you mean at the beginning or the end of the line, because he's exhaling as he sings it. Oh, so at the end, yeah, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Hey, did you guys know there's a fifth ocean? I thought there were five. Well, there no. What? You're like a sixth ocean? No. Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, Arctic, and Antarctic? Well, the Antarctic is called the Southern Ocean. That's, yeah, I, it, I, this came up in a trivia thing a couple months ago that I was at. It circles Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, but that, some scientists dispute. I say that's oceanism. Mm-hmm. Billy, Billy knows it well. Huh. Man, oh man. I'd never, I, when, I, when I was a young nerd looking at maps for just to pass the time, I never saw the Southern Ocean on that map. Yeah, and I used to to see North Atlantic and South Atlantic, and I figured that's how they got to the seven seas. Hmm. It's an ocean, not a sea. I know. Go for base. Number nine. Lesson number nine. Protection. A gentleman will protect those that are close to him, and those in his company will in turn feel protected. 
take this song originally by Frank Lesser, sung by Willie Nelson and Nora Jones. Clearly, Mr. Nelson, who was 76 at the time of this recording, is looking out for a 30-year-old Ms. Jones, whom he's worried about due to the fact that it's cold outside. He's letting her know that it's okay to stay over and most likely making up the guest quarters for her. Mm-hmm. It's a very gentlemanly move. Mm-hmm. A gentleman always has guest quarters. Yeah. When this song was new... It was always the closer, sung by uh, Frank Lesser and his wife. In fact, it was originally used to induce, or excuse me, indicate to guests that it was almost time to go. Much more polite than just telling your guests to piss off. A gentleman would not do that. Oh, so it's like the old-timey equivalent of when bars in L.A. play Slayer or Napalm Death at 1.30 a.m. so that everyone except me gets annoyed and wants to leave early so they can all go home. What bars have you been hanging out at? Yeah, you know, bars where you drink uh, fancy beer. Huh. You know, you don't really like uh, fancy tacos. beer that much. I never, I never see, you know, well, send me a text. Hey, did you guys know uh, that the common cold is predominantly caused by a rhinovirus who, uh, whose name is is from the Greek word rhine, which means nose? Probably because you have to blow it so much. <laughs> what? Because you have the cold. You have to blow your nose so much. Oh. So they call it the rhinovirus. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Hunter over here, the history of medicine with Dr. Ah. Hunter. That should be a new podcast. Yeah. Well, it's cold singers, outside. Singers like that. Oh, yeah, it's that, cold uh, inside your nose. Is, is, yeah. I get it. thought about this harder than we have. <laughs> I think everyone knows who Willie Nelson is, so I'm going to give you some fun facts. As a kid, Willie earned the nickname Red Booger after he picked his nose so much that it bled. He was five and about to uh, perform a poem in front of his class. He was very nervous, started picking his nose. Rhyme. Picking his rhyme. <laughs> In 1978, he recorded an album of standards and called it Stardust. That album stayed on the country charts for 540 weeks in a row. That's over 10 years. And I think that's... Well, I think it's more of an illustration of the Darth of good country than any praise for Willie. I mean, yes, Stardust is one of the greatest albums of all time. It's very good. But it's just funny how country fans go apeshit for music that isn't country. (laughs) Who would have thought that Stardust would have been the dark side of the moon of the country charts? (laughs) Have you listened to Dark Side of the Moon? Oof. (laughs) Willie Nelson did not write, another fun fact, did not write the theme song to the TV show Scrubs, which I thought he did because he played it once in concert. And also because you are David Lyons. Indeed. How's that song go? I'm not Superman. Like a, we are scrubs in a hospital and we're working Superman and Ryan with an X-ray. And Willie Nelson Will played Zach that? Rapp, yeah. Bone the blonde. I don't know, but I'm sure the black guy won't scrubs. I'm not Superman. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I, fun fact, Scrubs is based on the true story of Billy Ocean's friend Johnny Scrubs' later career as a male nurse. Oh, he came up before. Yeah. Hmm. Ties it all together. Yeah, that's I like nice. to find these little connections between all the uh, songs in the genre. Not me. <laughs> Nora Jones started her musical career around 2000, and Billboard named her the best jazz musician of the aughts. She also she also did an album of standards in 2013. Um, and then she collaborated with Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, of all people. I do not believe this album spent any time on the country charts. It's also worth mentioning that she's won nine Grammys. Seems like a lot compared to the amount of Grammys that we have, which I'm pretty certain is zero. It is zero. It is zero? Yeah. Okay. Are we going to listen to this again? 
enough for yeah. you to give another All right. fun Did fact. Did you guys too? know that it's not the freezing temperature that causes us to get the common cold, but the dry air that happens as a result? Mm -hmm. This drives up the mucus linings and strips us of our protective nose layers, or should I say, rind layers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different word for nose. God, you are on fire tonight. No, no. I got I got a little more research. I did a little more a little more research on the, how this song came to be. True story. It came from a holiday party where Nora Jones's dad, Ravi Shankar, invited Willie Nelson to perform the vocals on a 33-minute raga interpretation of this evergreen holiday standard. Willie Nelson's wild marijuana-fueled improvisations so impressed the assembled guests that he was crowned Maharaja of a small, uninhabited island in the Indian Ocean. Hmm. True story. Hmm. Man, there's so many true facts going around yeah. and some great gentleman lessons. Did you guys know from the surface of the song? Did you guys know that that emergency, the water additive, is full of shit? <laughs> oh, yes. Ew. That's what I call the cold hard truth. <laughs> it basically, just pumps you full of vitamin C, which is too much, and you just pee the rest of it out, and it gives you terrible gas. Um, <laughs> so I have to say, I understand this countdown is going to turn out to be increase, increasingly ironic as it goes. Listen, cat's out of the bag, I'm sorry. I don't know what you mean. Uh, what? But I actually buy that Willie Nelson is is being grandfatherly and not sexual at all in this song. If you listen to it, you can, you can tell. This is actually the least creepy version of this song, and I found the most creepy version. It's Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta's from 2012. Uh, the roles are reversed. It's amazing. John Travolta's trying to leave. <laughs> oh, and Olivia Newton-John's trying to get him to stay. Wow. I, like, on on both accounts, I wonder why. <laughs> My dad is pacing the floor. <laughs> it's great. It's, you gotta listen to it. I'll put it, I'll put it in, the, in the playlist for Spotify. Number eight. Lesson number eight. Loyalty. A gentleman is loyal. He will not turn his back on his friends and family. Now, while this song is more about the lack of loyalty displayed by hoes and bitches, it does illustrate the point. This is Chris Brown with Loyal. And did you guys know that the Japanese don't have a word for the color brown? What do they do in a brown out? <laughs> they probably buy uh, used panties out of a vending machine. Not very, not very gentlemanly. They like well, it's more gentlemanly than stealing them. They like, so like off a clothesline? Yeah. <laughs> While the pie cools? Yeah. <laughs> Get that double entendre. <sighs> they like they like candles, Judy. Yeah, but they got to keep away from their Japanese paper walls, otherwise no. their whole oh, paper man. house will go up. Yep. Okay. Right, Steve. You're That's, the, yeah, you're the Japan folk. I've been to Japan. I've, yeah. I've seen, yeah, mm -hmm. you're absolutely correct. They keep their candles very far from their walls, right? Yes. It's a thing about Japan. Your brother knows, Every time, right? Yeah, he lives in Osaka. Yeah. Let me talk a little more about loyalty. You ever call him up and, and make sure his candles are away from his walls? No, but ask when, him what he does in a brownout. What? Uh, I think there's a different term for that. In uh, um, anyway. that, would, that would be more of a backdoor suggestion. Okay, I just want to make sure you're looking out for your brother. No, Great they, fun facts. Okay, we just don't want those candles too close. Any listeners in Japan? Yeah. Move those candles away from the walls that are made of paper. You're yeah. gonna be all good. Mark, if you're listening, mm -hmm. watch yeah. out for Mothra. Let me talk a little more about loyalty. 
Okay. This, this, thanks. This goes deeper than just not cheating on your significant other. This is a sort of loyalty that you feel towards friends and family, but there can be a danger for loyalty. For example, if the figurehead of your political party wants to take away health care from over 20 million people... Maybe 32 million. Yeah. Just because he's an ignorant and petty piece of shit, well, then it's important to be loyal to your country and not just oh, your man. party. I'm gonna get so many internet points. <laughs> Don't be a fucking idiot. Loyalty isn't blind. Let's use, let's use our heads here, people. I was a, the way I see this song is that loyalty is about sticking around. Now, let's put all judgment about the relationship between Chris Brown and Rihanna aside. What do you mean? We won't take sides. They had a contemptuous relationship. That was, was, was But we're not going to think about that. I was not aware. The fact is, they would break up, and Rihanna could count on time and time again. Chris Brown would come back. He was loyal in the thinnest, most sinister definition of the term. So, and we want to be gentlemen. Um, so we can take that sliver of loyalty he's demonstrating to us in his life in this song and expand it, blow it up so in our lives it erases all of the Chris Brown tendencies we might have deeply in our subconscious. We can make our women the luckiest to ever commit to a gentleman if we just take Chris Brown's sliver of advice and use it on our own terms. Did you guys know that the Eiffel Tower is in fact brown? Yeah. What are they doing a brown out? <laughs> I think they would turn on the lights and they go, oh my gosh, there's no power. I feel like I'm in vaudeville. It's a gentleman's company. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Let me I talk did, a little wait, bit. Wait, I did a little bit more research on where this song came from, Dave. Mm-hmm. I got a lot. I got, I got a fact here. Uh, this song is based on a real-life incident in which Chris Brown hired a prostitute to have sex with him hmm. and was flabbergasted that she did not immediately fall in love with him and cease contact with all other men. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh my gosh. Hmm. These hoes ain't loyal. Let me talk a little bit about the artist. Please do. Chris Brown is a rapper and sometimes actor. He's one of a very exclusive group of people that had a number one hit with his first single. Uh, He's really done nothing else of note. What I'm really excited to tell you about is this Tyga fella who also sings on this along with uh, Lil Wayne. Tyga, T-Y-G-A. Little. Little Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Lil Wayne. Little. L- L- a gentleman pronounces Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. A gentleman enunciates. Yes, yeah. Is what you're saying. Sorry. Yes. He has a, a little a little Tyga. A little Tyga, T Y G A. He gets his name from the backronym Thank You God Always. <laughs> now hang on. What's that you're saying? Did Dave fuck something up? Nope. You heard me correctly. Backronym. It's a portmanteau of back and acronym. <laughs> Let me give you an example. SCUBA, well-known acronym for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. A backronym is when you have an existing word that you force into an acronym. Imagine when a kid writes the name and chooses a word for each letter. Uh, Or how Amber Alerts were named after a nine-year-old girl that was tragically abducted and murdered in Texas, but now Amber stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. You get it? Backronym. Yeah, so it's like a shit ton of 90s rap groups. You get it! Like like Booyah Tribe tried to say that tribe stands for too rough international booyah empire. Mm. <laughs> and it's, Congress is all Congress is good at is making backronyms. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to do something called the Freedom Act. Well, freedom stands for something. Yeah. 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 Patriot stands for something. I don't exactly. know what it is. It's all garbage. Mm-hmm. But they're great at it. They're yeah. all very clever. Mm. Backronym. Thanks, Dave. You got it. Top that fun fact, Hunter. I can't. 
Oh. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> Did you guys know that if you piss brown, it means you might have melanoma or hepatitis? What are they doing a brown out? A hunter that can also point to dehydration. Let's stay hydrated, folks. Space time. Number seven. Lesson number seven. Financial responsibility. A gentleman is financially responsible. That's what my main man R. Kelly is singing about in this song, You Deserve Better. Now, you and I probably aren't going to get to the financial level of R, but that's okay. You don't have to be able to feed this girl lobster and crab like he sings about. Being financially responsible simply means living well within your means and maybe not using the N-word as much as R does. That's really something else gentlemen don't do. They don't use the N-word, and no, I'm not talking about Nickelback. But you shouldn't use Nickelback either, right? You should never use Nickelback. Yeah. It's like me saying retard. Me, I'm, I'm blushing saying Nickelback and yeah. retard. My ears are burning. Um, but I think you're misinterpreting the song, Dave. I think as far as gentleman lessons go, I think this song is about self-respect. See, if you listen, R is the character in the song who's not the rich one. Uh, the man the girl is with now is rich. R. Kelly's just a guy... Uh, with sex that heals is one of the lyrics in this song indicates um, and despite him not being the flashiest fellow money wise he respects himself and a man who respects himself is going to give that respect to the woman he loves R. Kelly here is telling this girl that she deserves respect hey, look at me, I respect myself now lay back and let me pee on. Oh, I'm let me give you the respect you deserve Snap. I'm into that, but I thought he was uh, i thought he was the rich one in this. I didn't realize that he was, uh, probably should have listened to it more than once. Oh yeah, he's trying to seduce the lady. Uh, he, he, uh, and he establishes in the first verse, uh, he apparently had a gimmick that predates our podcast called 50 Fucks in 50 States. Huh. It could have it been 50 Love Makes in 50 States also. Yeah. Hey, did you guys know that the letter R comes, the fin- comes from the Phoenicians and it was adopted by the Greeks as Rho, which looked like the letter P. It was the Romans that changed it to look like R. Good thing, or we'd think his name was P. Kelly. <laughs> That's great. Uh, the uh, Phoenicians, is that where phonetic comes from? It must be, right? Fuck no. you, Dave. It's funny because it's not spelled phonetically. Yeah. Weird. Uh, R. Kelly was born Richard Sylvester Kelly and was the first musician to play professional basketball. I thought I saw a pussycat. I didn't know this. He played for the Atlantic City Seagulls, which is something I've never heard of, nor did I care to look up. He's not Ryan Kelly that got drafted by the Lakers, although I feel like he and Kobe would have a lot to bond over. The most notable uh, member of that extremely small fraternity is Wayman Tisdale, who had a long, productive NBA career playing for Indiana, Sacramento, and Phoenix. After he retired, he took up a second career as a fairly popular smooth jazz bassist, so these bumpers are extremely appropriate this week. Uh, and he was also the band leader. He recorded like nine albums prior to his death in 2009 from throat cancer. And you know what? Uh, he deserved better. There's one of those irrelevant deaths at the end of a paragraph. There it's been it is. so long. There hey, it is. Hey, Steve. He deserved better is Fe- what I'm saying. Phoenix? Is that where phonetic comes from? Yes. 
It's also, a new world term. Also not phonetic. I love it. Huh. Uh, also, I did a little research on where this song came from. Uh, this song is based on R. Kelly's real-life recording studio techniques. It came from a recording studio, Steve? I'm yes. sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. R stands for recording. Recording okay. Kelly. Uh, his real-life seduction technique is he promises money and fancy airplane trips if the 14-year-old girl in question promises to break up with her 15-year-old boyfriend. Hmm. Hey, did you True guys story. did you guys know that the letter R is the eighth most most common letter in the English language? That's our lot of R's. <laughs> hey, hey, Hunter, I agree because he's the most common. <laughs> God, this is fun. Yeah, today. right. I'm, I'm gonna good, be, clean humor. I'm gonna go to bed laughing tonight. Yep. Guys. Uh, here's something I discovered while researching. This dude is trapped in the closet lunacy that so many people are obsessed with a few years back. Led me to discover a new musical genre. Since we love genres on the show, I thought I'd touch on it: the hip hopra. You guys heard about this? Yeah, you guys heard yeah, about the I've hip hop opera. Like rock opera, but with hip hop, which is a term that used to be for describing bunnies. While Trapped in the Closet isn't the first hip hopera, it did heavily increase the awareness of this art form. Maybe one of you guys will bore me with it on a show one day. Like rap the musical? Yeah. I don't know if I know ten hip hoppers. Prince Paul had a concept album called A Prince, um, Prince Among Thieves, but it's the only one that really springs to mind off the top of my head. And there it was. And then Prince Paul got got shot in the leg and it ruptured his, his leg aorta and he died. Nah, he's, still, he's still going, man. Whatever, Steve. Lesson number six, love. A gentleman is not afraid to pronounce his love. This is Rick James with You and I, where he tells his lover all about how much he loves her. This could also fall into the lesson of communication, which we discussed back there with Billy Ocean. Did you guys know that James is both a common first name and a common surname? What? <laughs> Could you guys just imagine someone named James James? Uh, news Radio. Stephen Root's character was named Jimmy James. Okay, well, let's take it's a hypothetical. It totally works. All right, guys, let's get serious for a minute because I actually knew a guy named Thomas Thomas. So it's not that funny. It really does exist in life. And I knew a guy named Mark Clark. It's not the same, it's not but the, it's, it's totally different. Let me finish. Okay? I'm sorry. I got excited. I thought Billy? I had something to add. Billy Idol's guitarist was Steve Stevens. Okay, you know what? I'm I'm done. I'm finished. We'll never know the story of no. Tom Thomas. Never know the story of Thomas Thomas. Wow. His middle initial was N. Thomas Nelson Thomas. He was TNT. Least explosive, guy, least explosive guy I knew. Yeah. Except one time. Yeah, but that's a dynamite name. I worked at a radio station with him, and he was in charge of calling WZZM, getting George Lessons to record a weather report. And hey, this is TNT. He was having a hard time, and one time... <laughs> he disconnected, and I heard him go, Georgie Porgy, motherfucker. That's all. You're the nerdy guy. Anyway. Well, this was Rick's first number one hit on the R&B charts. Made it all the way to 13 on the Billboard 100. I know our listeners expect us to rattle off a list of names, so I can tell you the Brecker Brothers are playing horns on this one. Now, there's some lyrics in here I feel that I should mention. You and I will be together till the six is the nine. That's right. When you need me, I never hesitate. I always come. It's so much fun. Yeah. 
So there you are, 69 reference in episode 69. Nice. I hope you're happy. I'm always happy when a guy um, compliments a girl by saying she always makes him come. Like, what guy doesn't come, you know? Can I just say, right here in the middle, that 69ing is kind of overrated, like, as a sex act? It's kind of the elephant in the room here with all these 69 jokes, people. I, like, I, I can't of think of any other elephants jokes. in any rooms of this song list, but that one is that one stands out to me. Uh, underrated 69 might be the elephant in your room, Steve, but uh, I guess you're more of a 96 guy where you lay head to toe, but back to back, and wonder why nothing's happening. I'm uh, more into 44ing. Come I don't want to yeah. do the math. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did a little research on where this song came from. This was inspired by a real-life incident where Rick James ate a woman's pussy while getting his dick sucked. This song is about how much Rick James loves his girlfriend. Get your face out of the gutter, Steve. It's a metaphor, JD. Okay. Did you guys know that James is from the Hebrew ya- Yaakov? Which became Jacob in Latin, then Jacobus in Greek, and then they got stuffy rhymes, noses, and mispronounced it to be Jacobus. Then someone just said, James, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> I always knew that he was from New York, but I didn't know that he joined the Navy to avoid being drafted and then deserted. He fled to Canada and joined a group called the Mina Birds. The Mina Birds consisted of Bruce Palmer of Buffalo Springfield fame, Nick St. Nicholas of Steppenwolf fame. Oh, like Tom and Thomas. And young Neil Young. Uh, of young a, Neil Young? Of a whole bunch of shit fame. While the Mina Birds were recording from Motown, the Navy caught up with Rick and he spent a year in jail for deserting. At that point, the rest what, of the band. Did he have too much pie? <laughs> did he, uh, <laughs> he was stealing. Too much pie and cake? He was stealing. Uh, he was stealing uh, pie, cooling pies off of uh, farmhouse windows. <laughs> the cookie on the boat. Co- yep. Who took all the pies? Yep. It wasn't me. <laughs> At that point, the rest of the band took Neil Young's hearse out to California and got famous in their own ways. And a fun fact about Nick St. Nicholas, his uh, his real name was... Uh, that wasn't his own name? I, I didn't write it down, but uh, it's like Klaus Klaumann Klippenstein, all spelled with K's, so his initials were KKK. Oh. What a bunch of idiots! A lot of, like, a lot of, a lot of initial stuff talk going on. In yeah. There, talking about well, I, I brought up acronyms, acronyms. It gets us thinking about letters. Yeah. It's all organic. I got. I found a fun fact about Rick on Motown or on Wikipedia while he was Ooh, working for Motown. I've heard of that place. Uh, he, uh, while he was working for Motown, he quote briefly got involved in pimp activity during this time, but stopped because he felt he wasn't qualified for it due to the harsh activity and the abuse of women there. As a gentleman, yeah. you know, that's a that's kind of the biggest gentleman lesson right there. If you want to be a gentleman, you should never be a pimp because your prostitutes will simply run away as you politely allow them to pursue their dreams. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work out. And Rick eventually followed his, uh, his minor bird bandmates out to California and L.A. And you know when he did that? The summer of 69. Mm. Nice. Get your face out of the gutter. It's the best joke. Nice. 50 songs from 50 soundtracks sounding in a track and here we go. 50 songs from 50 soundtracks. We got America on the road. Oh, I get, this segment is called 50 songs and 50 soundtracks. 
Yeah. From 50 Soundtracks, and here we have one that Hollywood Steve has chosen. What is, what is this one, Steve? Well, this is uh, Dr. Dre with Keep Their Heads Ringing from the soundtrack of Friday. Mm. Uh, I made the mistake of watching Friday for the first time when I was sober. That's not the best. It's not the ideal way to enjoy the movie Friday. Uh, a lot. It's it's kind of like Sylvester Stallone's Rocky script because Ice Cube is a first time screenwriter without a real solid feel for structure or pacing. But it's a stoner comedy, so nobody gives a shit, and it doesn't really matter. I saw it uh, sober in a theater, like when it came out, and uh, as a gentleman, I mm-hmm. I laughed hard at this entire hilarious movie. Yeah, it's a funny movie. Yeah, I think it played better about twenty years ago. I watched it sober recently, and it didn't really strike the same chord. It's no next Friday. Yeah, or the Friday after next. I mean, it had Chris Tucker in it. You know, yeah. he's running around going, "Corbin Dallas." Yeah, my neck and my back. That was from that. It's relevant today that Corbin Dallas joked because mm-hmm. that new movie by Corbin, Corbin Dallas. Dallas is out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the movie Friday was shot on a small budget, released about one month after Easy es death in 1995. According to legend, or at least the biopic, this was the catalyst for Cube and his ex-bandmate uh, Dr. Dre to put their feud to rest. The two, though, had actually worked together again the previous year in the song Natural Born Killers from the soundtrack of Snoop Doggy Dogg's short film Murder Was the Case. And that song was supposed to be part of a full-fledged reunion album to be titled Helta Skelta, but that project ended up being shot. Anyway, Dr. Dre contributed this song to the Friday soundtrack. It went top 10 pop. Soundtrack album went all the way to number one. Now you listen to this title, Keep Their Heads Ringing. This song is based on a real-life incident. Not really, but I'm keeping the bit up for this segment. Uh, in which Dr. Dre... Wait, this whole paragraph is a fake story? Thanks. No, this is no, not it's a fake not. story. Oh, okay. Uh, this, is, this is based on a true-life incident in which Dr. Dre beat the shit out of D. Barnes, host of an early Fox TV show about hip-hop called Pump It Up. Uh, the producers on the show were helping to try and stoke the running feud between Ice Cube and his ex-bandmates at NWA. D. Barnes was a woman? D. Barnes yeah. was a woman. A piece of shit. Okay, yeah. uh, And uh, uh, she, she had her own uh, singing career, although not nearly as big as the people she was... So she was hosting this show. She was hosting this show. Uh, and uh, interrupt for a fun fact, the cameraman of that show was F. Gary Gray, who went on to direct of Friday. Straight Out of Compton and Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, Dr. Dre, you saw this segment and didn't like it, and he blamed the host of the show for the content, sort of in the negative flip side of the way that some people think Alex Trebek is the smartest man in the world because he knows all the answers on Jeopardy. I mean, that's it, right? That's Yeah, he does not have any producers telling him what to do. He doesn't have the answers in front of him. He just knows them off the top of his head. Yeah. He's the, That's why he's the host. Yeah, I liked him better with the mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Uh, so anyway, at a record release he party... He to prove that the producers weren't giving him the answers through the mustache. Mm-hmm. That's why he shaved it. Yeah, same reason uh, Bob Barker stopped dyeing his hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's because people were telling him which Something ladies up. to kiss. Like, mm-hmm. which ladies will blow will blow yeah. his penis yeah. if mm-hmm. through the dark hair they hide yep. microphones. Yeah. That's, See, that's you, why he also got neutered in spade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. We got a lot of fun facts. Fun, in this more one. fun facts. Uh, so anyway, that's the So at a record release party uh, where uh, D. Barnes was at, uh, Dr. Dre repeatedly slammed her into a wall, tried to throw her down the stairs, kicked her in the ribs, chased her into the women's restroom, punched her in the back of the head. Uh, not very gentlemanly. And then when interviewed about it, instead of trying to bury it, he owned up to it. He said, yeah, I was going after anyone that would talk shit, so I threw a bitch through a door. 
God damn it, fuck that guy. This is, these are the guys we let be billionaires in this country. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, well, they, they say that youth is wasted on the young. I would also say that wealth is wasted on the wealthy. Yeah, we can lump Dre in with, like, Trump and Jimmy Buffett. My apologies to Mr. Trump and Dr. Dre. No. Uh, in a piece written for Gawker prior to the release of the uh, Straight Outta Compton movie, Barnes wrote the following. I suffer from horrific migraines that started only after the attack. I love Dre's song, Keep Their Heads Ringing. It has a particularly deep meaning to me. When I get migraines, my head does ring, and it hurts exactly in the same spot every time where he smashed my head against the wall. People have accused me of holding on to the past. I'm not holding on to the past. I have a souvenir that I never wanted. The past holds on to me. It's very well written. It's very well written. No, not what you wrote, but what she said. Yes, that's what I'm. That he, I'm, I'm he agreeing with you on he that. Read it verbatim. Uh, also, D. Barnes was not the only woman Dre beat up during his asshole youth. He also punched his label mate Terry B. at another party. Was known for abusing his girlfriend at the time, R. B. singer Michelle. He was like 30, wasn't he? Youth. Anyway, continue. Compared to now. Yeah. East Coast rapper Tim Dog dissed Dre repeatedly on his West Coast hating album Penicillin on Wax, especially on the underground hit Fuck Compton. Uh, that song was an important escalation in the uh, East Coast-West Coast feud. Sounds like uh, Dr. Dre was an equal opportunity abuser. Yeah, it sounds like he also practiced Chris Brown's brand of gentlemanly loyalty. I'm not sure what you mean. He kept showing up. Ah! And uh, I'll close with one ironic uh, note. The ring-ding-dong chorus in this song is lifted from the early Sugar Hill Records single Funk You Up by The Sequence, which was the first song ever released by a female rap group. Cool. Fun fact. Huh. Oh! This is a segment called Plug Hole where we plug things. Hey, who did the bumpers? Oh, a very big thanks to very good friend of the podcast, Tony Zaret, who sent in today's bumpers. For those of you listening, Tony recently got a bass. <laughs> this, he's never had one before? Uh, not one of his own. I feel like he's like you. He's one of those guys that just buys a bunch of guitars. Yeah, but he no has reason. an apartment in New York, and I have yeah. a rehearsal space, so I've got... Okay. Man, Place. he can play that bass guitar just like a ring and a bell. Yeah. And speaking of Tony Zaret, I've got a new hot podcast to plug. It's called The Meme Team with Tony Zaret. With so many memes out there, you don't have time to look at all of them. Fortunately, Tony and his team of special guests look at the memes for you and rank them with the easy-to-understand system, share, like, scroll, or report. <laughs> This will help guide you through today's avalanche of memes. After you listen to this informative and entertaining podcast, you will know exactly what memes to look at and where to look at them. The Meme Team with Tony Zaret, the only podcast that reviews memes. Find it on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. At the Virgil in Los Angeles, we are doing a live podcast. We're trying it again. We are succeeding at it again. We're yeah. going to be listening to the classic Toto 4 album. From front to, to back. back. Commenting on the whole dang thing and yacht skiing all the tracks. Uh, DJ Claire is DJing. The band Harbor Party will be rocking. This is going to be a very special evening. Uh, it's our first live podcast in our own hometown. So if you gentlemen show up with five friends and a lady, mm -hmm. maybe we'll do this shit more often. Yeah. 
August 18th at the Offbeaten Highland Park. Come see myself, Dave, and a bunch of my friends performing a bunch of cover bands. There's a really good chance my uh, Thin Lizzy cover band, Fat Lizzy, will finally perform. The show probably starts around 8. Hey! And go over to Patreon and support our dang podcast. Executive boat hosers and above get access to an exclusive Funland. It's a Funland. Funland? It's a Funland on the app called Slack where everyone is talking yacht rock. It's fun stuff going on over there. I'm on it. Dave's on it. Hunter yeah. and Steve, you guys need to I accept those forgetting. invitations. Yeah, I keep get forgetting. On the- yeah, you can't, you can't just throw out names of yacht rock songs and think it's cool. Folks are posting some some great stuff on there. Yeah. Some really fun. Yeah, there's some good conversations. Yeah, you don't have to talk. And, just listen. Uh, we uh, we recently put uh, uh, the next three or four Yacht Rocks, we did a live uh, Facebook Live yeah. thing of them here in the studio. I'm thinking maybe I'll start putting those on Patreon. Yeah. Something special for the Patreon guys, if I could figure out the technology. Yeah, but like us on Facebook and you can watch those <laughs> So videos. that's never going to happen. Yeah. I might have to have Hunter show me. Let me start this again. Give Tony his due. King yeah. of the bass. King of the bass. Thought he said Ace of the bass. No, come on. This is serious. Lesson number five. Emotional support. A gentleman is emotionally supportive. We're way past all of that tough guy, real men don't have emotions bullshit. Remember, even though James Dalton said pain don't hurt, he fell in love and was able to be there for his woman, for his friends, and for his town. This is Michael Jackson's Will You Be There from the Free Willy soundtrack. I've never seen the movie, but I think it's about a whale jumping over a kid. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> hey, did you guys know that Jackson literally means the son of Jack? Adoy! I'll tell you something. We got producer Matt Brousseau over here. He's an up-and-coming stand-up because he's doing the open mic grind. He's mm-hmm. like really working his jokes all the time. He has to listen to this guy, Hunter, rolling out of bed, feeding his dogs, and just coming just up with these singers, it. just like diarrheaing out of his mouth like yeah. a comic genius. That's right. Yeah. I feel like I'm in the room with some sort of combination of like Lenny Bruce and Jay Leno. Yeah. Jay- <laughs> it's like it's like Carrot Top without the props. We've all heard rumors about Michael Jackson missing out on having a real childhood, and to me, this song is what this song is about. He's in search of a friend that will be here for him. I mean, listen to these lyrics. Carry me like you are my brother. Love me like a mother. Will you be there? A man should be faithful. I don't know what that one means. And walk when not able. And fight till the end. This is a story of a man trying to do the right thing. But he's only human. But he desperately needs a companion. Someone to help him realize his full potential. This man, even though he's a gentleman, he needs a gentleman. And that's important because... This is not a gentleman in a sexual relationship. This is a bro. A gentle bro. A bro asking for emotional support from his bro. And the bro who says, sure, I'll hold you, bro. That bro is a gentleman. And a Shamu. (laughs) And a Japanese blowjob? Never mind. Go ahead, hey, Steve. Another, again. Wait, wait people, hold on. I don't want to gloss over that. <laughs> wait, what, what did you... What? No, no, don't worry about it. I was just... I was a gentleman just, doesn't make racist jokes, David. I never said I was a gentleman. Keep the, your candles away from your paper walls. Oh, that's what you were saying. There's yeah. a lot of earthquakes there. It could fall right over. You know how the Japanese blow out their candles with a gentle bro. That's all I meant. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Whoa. I'm gonna change 
change the subject. I didn't know. I did a little, uh... Yeah. I had no idea. I, I did my mind. What, I'm sorry. But what I was asking, when I wanted to know what he was talking about, I didn't think that's where it was. And now I feel terrible about always saying keep candles away from paper walls. I just, I feel like we're in a bad territory right now. Steve, take us... Get us out yeah, of here. Was, with a, I did a little a research. That was I did a little part. research on where this song came from. Uh, it's based on a real-life incident from when Michael Jackson was hiding out in Bahrain during his uh, trouble times. Uh, you can hear in the first verse where he makes a reference to Hold Me Like the River Jordan. He took an actual trip to the relatively nearby River Jordan and uh, moved by its religious significance, he tried to hug it. When he failed to do so, owing to the difficulties of hugging water, he tried to get his brother Tito to carry him across, and Tito's refusal inspired this song. He should have just taken a few gallons of the River Jordan and frozen it into a sculpture of a bro who needed a hug. Yeah, nice cool hug. hug. That way. Yeah. Cool bro hug. So this so you said Bahrain, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this isn't I was I thought this was Africadabra, but this is mm-hmm. Asia Cadabra. Mm-hmm. Jordan's and Arabian Peninsula Cadabra? It's kind of the middle part that no one wants. Where's Bahrain? It's a little island in the Gulf there. Oh, uh, in the Gulf of... of uh, Gulf of something or other. I can't remember. The, the Persian Gulf? No. No, it's west of that. Oh, yeah. It's near, it's near Saudi Arabia in that yeah. whole area. Okay, good. A little, uh, little information yeah. on... No, uh, no one disputed you. Arabia Kadabra. Arabia Kadabra. Mm. Yeah. Um, Michael Jackson is a singer. He made Thriller. That's your background information. Yep. And Steve, did you hear that? Take a note. It's very concise. Who? Michael Jackson. Who? Mike? When did he die, Steve? What is, Just tell us. What is Thriller? In my deepest despair. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, face man. <laughs> Number four. Yeah, you're heading down another... Uh... <laughs> Lesson number four. Leadership. Leadership is a quality possessed by gentlemen. Gary Glitter explains this to us in his remarkably simple song, that he is the leader of his gang. I want to be clear here, you don't need to go out and start a tough motorcycle gang in order to be a gentleman, but it's pretty cool. In order to be a leader, you need focus, integrity, and inspiration. These are the qualities that Mr. Glitter is speaking of. Uh, leadership is key. These are the greatest leaders of all time. The first gentleman to put his coat on a puddle. The first gentleman to open the door for a lady. The first gentleman to refrain from mansplaining to a lady. Wait, that man does not exist yet. <laughs> we all do it, guys. <laughs> it's so true. We all do it. It's so true. Um, it, just so you know, JD, I wrote you an MC Hammer joke at got the it. end. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Now I know just, how to read that. Yeah, okay. okay. I had to. Oh, I got give that. You a little bit of, okay. Hey, did you guys know that the first that the first glitter was mic- mica, mica, or flecks of silica material uh, minerals used by cavemen, cave, my cavemen in cave paintings to give them a shimmering appearance. They also used the mineral hematite in cosmetics to spark. Stop, hematite. Yeah. <laughs> I started I started looking that up and I started learning more about dolomite. Which is a kind of lime uh, used in gardening. Mm. You know, formica mm-hmm. comes from mica. Oh, because that's it was... how I knew how to pronounce that, and that's why I went back to correct myself oh. when I originally said wrong. Because of formica. Let me talk a little more about Gary Glitter. 
Okay. You can tell how tough he is by the use of the motorcycle sounds at the beginning of this song and the fact that his last name is Glitter. He dropped this one in 1973, and it was his first number one hit on the UK singles chart. He wrote it with Mike Leander, who was a frequent collaborator through most of Gary's career. Leander worked with a staggering amount of artists, such as the Drifters, Mark Bolin, Rolling Stones, Marianne Faithful, Roy Orbison, and Gene Pitney. He's also credited with arranging a little concept for Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice called Jesus Christ Superstar. Finally, he's the only producer outside of George Martin ever to work with the Beatles during a song recording. He did uh, She's Leaving Home on the Sgt. Pepper album. Oh, fun fact. Hmm? Uh, I did a little research into how that song was written, where it came from. This is this song is based on the true story of how Gary Glitter tried to start the first motorcycle gang in Southeast Asia. Unfortunately, everyone there already rode scooters, and it was a failed endeavor. Hmm. Some bitch. Uh, All right. It was, just, it was just hard to get uh, his gang, his wannabe, the people he wanted his gang off their tricycles and onto. The motorcycle. Motorcycle. <laughs> I, uh, I don't get it. I got. A, I got. A, I got. I got a fun fact. I got another one. Okay. Right. One okay. of my bits. One of my bits. Hey, did you guys know that glitter is con- is a convicted pedophile? Uh, yeah. Wait. What? What? Hilarious. It's hilarious. God. Number three. Gentlemen, lesson number three: commitment. A gentleman is not afraid of commitment. This is Ike Turner with Walking Down the Aisle. (laughs) The song starts with a young man carrying a girl's books. What a gentleman. He asks her to be his girl, just like a gentleman, and finally marries her, and one can only assume lives happily ever after. Hey, did you guys know that Ike Kia is Swedish? Oh, man. There's no, there's no greater gentleman than a gentleman on one knee, humble and proud to be in love with the beautiful lady before him. And songs like this by Ike Turner illustrate how important that act of gentlemanliness can be. I did a little research about where this song came from, what, what inspired it. Turns out, it's based on a true story. Uh, when Ike married his his spouse Tina, uh, his refusal to allow her to have any other friends resulted in Tina's decision to invite a set of encyclopedias to be her bridesmaids. So he had to carry these books down the aisle for her. Oh, another gentlemanly thing to do. Absolutely. Ike has an amazing musical pedigree. He started his first band, The Kings of Rhythm, as a teenager, and they remained in some form his backing band for the rest of his life. He was one of the pioneers of early rock and roll, and the song he wrote in 1951, Rockets 88, is a contender for the first rock and roll song ever. When are they going to figure that one out? I don't know. It's like, who did this one when and what version uh, and somebody wrote it. Totally. <clears throat> did you guys know that the song Ico Ico was originally called Giacomo, which I really hope is not oldie time racist? Well, it was written by Sonny Boy Crawford and his cane cutters, so if it was, they owned it. Oof. That's not a joke. I, I mean know, that. I know. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Turner worked for Sam Phillips of Sun Records as a session musician. Could have just looked up the answer instead. And then a talent scout. Saying that. I don't really know. Um, Also worked as a songwriter for the Bahari Brothers for Modern Records. And in typical 1950s fashion, the Bahari Brothers copyrighted all of his songs uh, that Turner wrote under their own name. Turner estimates that he wrote almost 80 hit songs for them, for which he didn't see a dime in royalties. 
Turner worked for both of these labels at the same time and on more than one occasion would record the same artists doing the same songs for different labels. And that really pissed some people off. But, I refuse, though. He was a gentleman in both life and business. I think he got caught. Oh. And uh, it wasn't a very gentlemanly thing to do. But at the same time, he was trying to get profits back from the guys that ripped him off, so... To take care of his spouse, I'm sure. Uh, I believe there were four or five spouses all in. Not at the same time. That wouldn't be gentlemanly. No, 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 not at all. He was also undiagnosed bipolar. Hmm. Until later. He was later diagnosed. What am I doing? Okay, here it is. Number two. Whoa. Uh, It's a workout. Lesson number two. Sense of humor. This is an important one. You gotta have a sense of humor. You gotta make them laugh. This is funny man Bill Cosby doing his version of Ray Charles' I've Got a Woman. This is a big one for me. I bet it is. I try to make my wife laugh every day. The gentleman needs to have a good sense of humor about all things, including himself. You have to be able to laugh at yourself or you're just an asshole that wants to repeal Obamacare, no matter how many people are going to die. Yeah. Did you guys know that Bill can refer to a banknote? A legislative law, an invoice of sale, or a bird's lips. <laughs> also an 80-year-old piece of shit. <laughs> Indeed. Bill Cosby is obviously best known for his comedy and acting, but he actually had quite a few musical albums. Uh, way more than Jackal. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, this is off his first foray into the recording. Um from the album Silver Throat, Bill Cosby Sings. He also has five more albums where he sings, including Bill Cosby Sings, Hooray for the Salvation Army Band, At Last Bill Cosby Finally Sings, and his last album that I could find, simply titled Disco Bill. I looked into that a little bit. Uh, That Disco Bill album contains a song called What You Think About Licking My Chicken. Uh, It's mostly him doing a James Brown impression that's as bad as most of the impressions people do of Bill Cosby. Fun fact about that song, I did a little research into what inspired it. Turns out it's about a real-life incident in which Bill Cosby manipulated a young hen who wanted to be an egg model into performing relations with his own pet chicken, Clucky Claude. Now, when the act was completed, Cosby beheaded, plucked, and deep-fried Clucky Claude right on the spot, on the logic that if the meat was killed while relaxed, it would be much more tender and delicious. He then consumed the hen's fertilized eggs for breakfast the next morning and told the farmer who owned the hen that she had a poor attitude and would never work out in show business. True story. It's very sad. Yeah, it's very depressing. There's also an album on uh, Spotify that you can check out called The Original Jam Sessions, 1969. Cosby recorded his backing tracks. 69, nice. That's right. Cosby recorded his backing tracks for The Bill Cosby Show. His partner was none other than Quincy Jones. It's worth a listen. Some real interesting stuff on there. But uh, Disco Bill's kind of the crazy one. And uh, try not to... uh, if, if he offers you uh, Disco Bill's Disco Pill, All right. you're going to want to say no. I, see, I seem to remember a Bill Cosby singing out. I, like, I think I've heard this album called Cheers with Bill Cosby, but I'm, my memory's a little fuzzy about it. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not sure it was real. Play the bass. Number one. Lesson number one is confidence. It always comes down to that, doesn't it? It always does. We've made it. 
What do you need to be a gentleman more than anything else? That's easy. The confidence to be a gentleman. You just go out there and do it. This is Sid Vicious covering Frank Sinatra, covering a French song that Paul Anka rewrote. Original song is about a guy who longs for his lost love, but more in- interested in the English version and not that French bullshit. The song lays out the successful life of a man who has done things his own way with few regrets and a life well lived. Now, Sid does change some of the lyrics in his version to make them more punk, mm-hmm. which means they refer to the real-life story of how he was an untalented heroin addict who could neither sing nor play the bass. True. It also makes a specific reference to the time he killed a cat by trying to feed it chicken soup spiked with peppermint schnapps and also heroin. Hmm. Did you guys know that vicious is rooted in the Latin word for vitium or vitium, which means vice? What are they doing a brownout? <laughs> uh, bringing it back. Steve, bringing it back, Russo. I want to do a set. I want to back up a little bit. This uh, chicken soup spiked with peppermint schnapps. Steve, did you guys kill that cat? No, because we didn't put the heroin in. That's the missing ingredient. That's the missing link Got there. It. Dave, I'm starting to think this doesn't fit very well. Did you make up this whole genre just to play a punk rock song at the end? No, I uh, found this one and figured I'd put it at number one because this is really the one I actually wanted to talk about. Cool. So it's what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> After the Sex Pistols broke up in 78, they still recorded some songs for the movie The Great Rock and Roll Swindle, included Sid singing this one. Sid Vicious still performed live, doing Sex Pistols songs and a few covers. His band was made up of Rat Scabies from the damned Glenn Matlock, the original bass player that he replaced in the Pistols. Oh, he really cucked him. Yeah. Arthur Kane, Jerry Nolan, and Johnny Thunders from the New York City Dolls, and Mick Jones from The Clash. If you Google things that give Dave Lyons a boner, this lineup will show up in your search results. They played most of their shows in Max's Kansas City, where Sid was paid enough money to live well until he died of a heroin overdose. The heroin was acquired for him by his own mother. Not a very gentlemanly way to go. No. I did Google things that give Dave Lyons a boner, and here's what came up. Guys who probably fucked AIDS and Guy Fieri. I've got a fascinating profile. Hey, did you guys know that Vice Media is currently preparing an IPO and will never give this podcast a positive review? So look out for that, everybody. Huh. Huh. Well, What's an, wait, hold on. What? Wait, what's an IPO? Initial pub, public offering. Oh. Oh, Vice is going, going public. public. Oh, yeah. i got to buy a share of that. Uh, the first version of the song that we heard was actually credited to the Sex Pistols, but it said singing lead. It's the same version. Business on the podcast. It's the same version used over the closing credits of Goodfellas. It's a little better quality than the live versions, but you hear that for yourself since we uh, talk longer than three minutes on this song. If you if you uh, watch the segment in the uh, the great rock and roll swindle, it's this whole thing where Sid comes out on a stage like dressed in a fancy suit, like yeah. he's going to be a crooner, and it's a totally different version than the two we heard. Yeah, exactly. And then he, he starts uh, off with, uh, "No, the end is near." He's doing his gentleman impersonation. Yes, and, uh, and then eventually he he uh, takes out a pistol. A sex pistol and start shooting members of the audience. Mm-hmm. All the fancy people die. All the fancy people die. Isn't that also how Sid and Nancy ends? Uh, no, he. Uh, it's a, a stabbing, not a shooting. He stabbed her. Uh, I, I she know died. that, but I thought that after that it was. Am I just thinking of the rock and roll swindle? Or am I confusing I think you're thinking of rock and roll swindle. Hmm. 
I mean, they might have reenacted that as like a weird dream timey Fantasia. Yeah, I don't know. I thought they did it. The I, it's been a while since I've seen Sid and Nancy. Yeah. I used to watch that movie a lot. Well, you when guys seem confident. So, yeah. so that was gentleman lessons. And if you folks at home uh, feel like you are more of a gentleman after listening to that countdown, then you truly are more of a gentleman. Yeah. Because it's about confidence. What did we miss, fellas? Well, I think he got them all, especially Billy Ocean, Nora Jones, and Willie Nelson. Oh, and I'd like to apologize to Bruce Roberts. <laughs> uh, I think you missed uh, Taco putting on the Ritz, not because he's done or written anything horrible, just because you left out wardrobe. You know, I worked really hard on that one, uh, appearance. And that's where your sandals fit in. And your jeans. Oh, these are the jeans you bought me. And that shirt. Oh, really? You're finally <laughs> yeah. wearing something oh, I bought yeah. you? I wear the jeans a lot because I don't have very many other pairs that fit me. Actually, when you walked in, I checked them out, and they do look better than than most. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I did go whitewater rafting a few weeks ago, and I finally found the other people that wear those sandals. Oh, there you go. Um, what, who, what were they like? Uh, smelly and uh, rather unpleasant. They said a lot of bad jokes, and they were terrible at improv. It sounds like this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to hang out with them now. Um, as long so, as they put on some deodorant. Sutter's Mill white rafting trip. White water rafting. So it seems uh, like there's got to be a song out there called Fuck Train somewhere uh, that you can you can have. You should put on the list there. It, it would demonstrate the gentlemanly trait of sharing. Yes, and having dependable transportation. Yes. Very important. It seems like Two Live Crew would have done something like that. I gotta turn off this loud punk rock music. Mm. It's giving me a headache. Hmm. Much like D. Barnes. Oh, keep mm-hmm. the heads ringing. Uh. Um, next episode, I'm calling. We're gonna do it's episode seventy. Yacht York. Yacht York. I'm pumped about it. You guys will be too. We've made the illusions, and now we're gonna do the research. It's yacht rock from New York. Some of it's about New York and there's a different sound. It is. I, I played Bruce Roberts because he has a Yacht York sound, he definitely but he's does. not from New York, but he mm-hmm. gave a lot of his music to New Yorkers. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to get into this. Yeah, it's great. We have a couple songs already and yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so find this week's Gentleman Lessons playlist by following J.D. Riznar on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com to buy t-shirts. Check out the Yachts. Hey, this is an old one. No, it's not. Oh, whatever. Go to, send questions via Twitter, yeah, right. Send, send them to Dave. Put all, send everything to Dave. From this yeah. episode, yeah. just you know send what? it yeah. to Dave. Yeah, you know what? Just follow David underscore B underscore Lions. Uh, he knows um, how to be a gentleman. Yeah. Just ask him. Ask him all the questions. Thanks to Tony Zarrett for the bumpers. Themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Uh, thanks to producer Matt Brousseau. And thank you to the entire Feral Audio family. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. And come the heck over to the Virgil Sunday night, the 30th of July, and watch us do a podcast live. We will treat you better than the artists in this list treated others. Feral Audio.